14. Here's the pitch by Downing. Swinging. There's a dive into left center field. That ball is going to be out of here. It's gone. It's 7-15. There's a new home run champion of all time. And it's Henry Aaron. From the Tanglewood Studios on the Skynet Global Network, this is Go6 Sports Radio. Okay, it's Friday, and welcome to Go6 Sports Radio on the Go6 Programming Network, GSPN. I'm your host, Scott Wasslager, joined by O-Town again this week as we conduct our sports radio, sports talk radio format. And we have a lot to talk about for uh, this week, what's occurred this week and what's going to happen this weekend, primarily again. We're one week deeper into the NFL playoffs. We'll talk NBA. We'll talk college basketball. We'll talk a little bit of uh, uh, MLB. And then we will get into briefly at the end, like we always do, a little update on America's favorite and most lovable lovable virtual baseball team, the Saco Bay Sharks. But we're back at it. Hey, oh, how you doing today? Hey, good. How are you doing? Good. We're uh, we're broadcasting today from two di- different areas. I'm in East Hampton, Connecticut, and you're in Stamford, Connecticut, my hometown, yep. aka Stam Vegas. That's right. It's uh, an upcoming city. You know, a lot of kids my age here, a lot of bars, a lot of things to do. So, you know, you saw it last week when we had a little tour here, but it's a lot different than than you were here. Yeah, and you happen to be living with uh, one of my old teammates and best dearest friends. Uh, Rich and Francine, and they have a little apartment attached to their house that's your very own, and they treat you like family. So uh, you have your privacy, yet you have a big Italian family right next door. So couldn't be better for you. I know. Very lucky to have this, uh, you know, place to stay at and, uh, you know, very fortunate to be here. And uh, I love it here so far. Yeah, that's great. And school's going to start for you back up for you soon. We saw a 40-game schedule for the Fairfield Stags, Fairfield University, which is the place uh, you're at and and the program you're playing for. So so that's going to be great coming up this spring. A lot of things to be excited for as we ease our way out of this ridiculous pandemic. But first, today, wanted to acknowledge the passing of a true baseball legend, uh, Henry Aaron, Hammer and Hank, passed away. Um, and ironically, uh, he is our, you know, the call of his 17, 715th home run is the opening of, of go six sports radio and has been since the very beginning. So, um, and what people don't know about that run to breaking Babe Ruth's record, one thing that they don't know, and I did a lot of research on this because back in the early, you know, first few podcasts, um, almost a year ago, I did a few all-time great uh, podcasts, and he was one of them, all-time great home run hitters. But what people don't remember uh, or might not remember is that that run to him breaking Babe Ruth's record was filled with a lot of adversity for him because he was getting death threats because of his color. And it was really bad, and, and people close to the situation really marvel at how he was able to perform 
under those circumstances. There were games that many guys today would not have played for fear that something was going to happen to them during the game because of the threats that he received. And there was no social media back then, but it was all via uh, letters and mail to the Braves and to him because they didn't want him to break a white player, a legendary white player, Babe Ruth's record. But uh, he broke it, 715. 1974, April 1974, and the home run call. If you want to re-listen to the beginning of this podcast, that's the home run call, the famous home run call. So uh, prayer, thoughts and prayers to his family. Great home run hitter and um, just a little tribute uh, to him. He ended up hitting 70, 755 homers. 715 was that night that he he broke Babe Ruth's record of 714 and he was elected into the Hall of Fame in 1982 and was nothing but a class act his entire career and post career. So um, props and uh, thoughts and prayers to Hammer and Hank, Hank Aaron. One of the uh, things about uh, yeah, go ahead. That, that I saw on Twitter was that, you know, whenever he was in slumps and he wasn't hitting well, he, w- he was a big guy that kept saying, just keep swinging, keep swinging the bat. Um, and I like to do that myself. And I know a lot of guys do that. You know, only way to get out of slumps is you got to keep swinging and trust yourself with the bat. But don't go down looking for strike threes. Just keep swinging that thing. Yeah, I think he was he was a he was a great teammate. He was a cerebral player, but he didn't overly think things. And he was that perfect combination, like you said, when he faced some adversity. And that's probably part of the reason he got through the run that he did with all the adversity that he had to face off the field, because he just kind of focused and stayed in the moment and and enjoyed the process way before uh, falling in love with the process was a big thing like it is today. So moving on to other things, NBA, college hoops, NFL, MLB, we got it all. And uh, we'll start, you know, I was thinking today that when football ends, college football ended a couple weeks ago and the NFL is going to end soon. You know, sports fans, you got to be prepared because big football fans, you got to start getting into something like the NBA, college basketball, or the off season and leading up to the MLB spring training. So wanted to talk about college hoops a little bit today because we hadn't talked about college hoops at all yet, Owen, you know what I mean? Yeah, we haven't really, it hasn't really, uh, you know, been in full swing yet, but now we're going to get going. Uh, you know, a lot of teams are um, back from being paused from the COVID-19. So they're back and playing and we have a good top 10 that you can dive into. Yeah, so the rankings as of today, uh, Gonzaga's ranked number one at 14-0, Baylor 13-0, Nova, shout out Mike Hennessy, uh, 9-1, Iowa, the Cyclones 12-3, Texas 11-2, like what Shaka Smart's doing there, always liked him, Uh, Tennessee 10-2. Michigan 12 and 1, Houston 12 and 1, and Kansas, no surprise in the top 10, 10 and 4. You don't see Michigan State in there, but you know, they're a program that's always going to be strong. Uh, UConn is a team that broke the top 25 for the first time in a while. And Danny Hurley said it last year get us now because we're going to be coming. And I think UConn's one of those teams that's a, a team to watch that's not in this top 10. But in the top 10, anything stand out to you, Al? Yeah, you know, what really stands out to me is uh, the Houston Cougars, who are led by Kelvin Sampson. 
Um, you know, he's a really experienced coach. He's had fit. He's been to 15 NCAA tournaments. You know, he's coached at Indiana, Oklahoma, Washington state. And he was also an assistant in the NBA with the Houston Rockets. So at the helm of that program, they're really going in the right direction. They're currently, like you said, they're 12 and one, um, seven, one in the American athletic. They're averaging 74.2 points per game and only holding opponents to 56.7. So that's a plus 17.5 scoring margin there. Um, they're really energetic, fiery team. Uh, they like to play with high pace in their in their ball games. Uh, Quinton Grimes is averaging 17.8 points per game, along with Marcus Sasser, 16.5 points per game. Uh, both these guys are averaging over 30 minutes a game, so they're getting really heavy production from their guards. Um, you know, they're going to be a really fun team to watch, and the American Athletic Conference is a sneaky, sneaky good conference. Yeah, it is. It, it, it definitely is, and he's an experienced coach. And flying underneath the radar a little bit. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays Another thing, out. Uh, go ahead. I saw in the top 10 for for uh, college basketball was no Blue Devils. No Duke Blue Devils and Coach K. Uh, I was watching them the other night. They lost by six at Pittsburgh. But, you know, Duke, um, Kentucky... Some of the some of the big dogs that we've seen over the past couple of years are not in there this year. But um, you know, they probably have a lot of young guys, you know, they have a lot of one and done. So it's it's good to see some new faces in the top ten. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'll go over quickly. It's gonna be exciting. Uh let's hope. I had predicted we wouldn't finish the college basketball season, and I continue to hope that I'm wrong on that because it's an indoor sport and college kids don't do as good a job as others as following protocols and things like that. But let's continue to hope I'm wrong because the NCAA announced on Tuesday that um, the final sort of schedule for March Madness and the NCAA tournament. So the first four action, the first four teams in action is going to be Thursday, March 18th. And that's going to be followed by first round action on, on the 19th and the 20th. So it's going to work a little bit different than other years and it's going to be pretty fast paced and it'll be a lot of fun to watch all the games before the final four will take place later than they would in a normal year. And there'll be some back-to-back days, et cetera. National title game will be held on the first Monday in April, as always. And that's going to be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indy. But here's how it's going to work. 55 of the 67 games will take place in Indiana. And they'll take place in the following places. The first round games, Mackey Arena, which is Purdue's home uh, arena. Assembly Hall, Indiana's home uh, spot. Banker's Life Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Hinkle Fieldhouse in Indianapolis, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and Lucas Oil Stadium, um, better known as the home to the Colts and the house that Peyton Manning built. So, And then four venues in Indianapolis proper, so in downtown Indy, will serve as the sites for the remainder of the tourney. So the first round games will be in six different spots in Indiana, and then after that, four venues in Indianapolis will serve as the sites for the remainder of the tourney. So here's how it goes. March 14th is Selection Sunday. March 18th is the first four. Uh, March 19th and 20th is the first round. 21st and 22nd is the second round. 27th and 28th of March is a Sweet 16. 29th and 30th is the Elite Eight. Then April 3rd is the Final Four. And uh, April 5th will be the title game. And as I mentioned before, that's on a Monday, as always. 
uh, good night for a championship game for for viewing. Uh, so the first four will be at Mackey Arena in West Lafayette, Indiana. That's the March 18th, Assembly Hall in Bloomington. That's the first four. Then right away, we go to the 19th and 20th. We go we get right into the first round, and that's Mackey Arena, Assembly Hall, Banker's Life, Hinkle, Indiana Farmers Coliseum, and Lucas Oil Stadium. Then you have right away again, Sunday and Monday, the second round, March 21st and 22nd, and we narrow down the venues a little bit, Banker's Life, Hinkle, Indiana's Farmers, and Lucas Oil Stadium. Then you get to the Sweet 16, and we're down now to two venues, and that's on the 27th and 28th of March, and that's at Banker's Life, and that's at Lucas Oil Stadium, and 21st and 22nd. Then you get a little bit of a breather, and you have the next weekend, the 27th and the 28th, the Sweet 16, uh, sorry, the Elite Eight, and that's the 29th and 30th. Let me back up for a second. Okay, the second round, 21st and 22nd of March, the Sweet 16, that's when you get your week break. You get uh, roughly a week break, 27th and 28th. Then you get, and that's a Saturday and a Sunday. Then Monday, Tuesday, you have your Elite Eight right away, 29th and 30th. And that's at Lucas Oil Stadium. All the Elite Eight is at Lucas Oil Stadium. So imagine having a ticket to that venue, which would be great. I don't know how many fans, if any, they're going to be able to have there. And then Saturday, April 3rd, the final four and April 5th, the title game, both at Lucas Oil Stadium. So should be pretty exciting by then. Should be a lot more attention to college basketball by then, being that football will be over. So uh, that's your college basketball wrap up a little bit. Anything? To, what do you think about the um, the venues and the tournament? Oh. Yeah, I like that it's being held, uh, you know, like a bubble venue in Indiana. Um, They're fortunate to have a lot of arenas that they can play at in the state of Indiana. And, you know, I think it'll help with the COVID protocols. But the most exciting time of the year is March Madness. So I think a lot of fans are looking forward to that. Yeah, yeah. And that's something that was probably the biggest hit last year when March Madness was canceled. I think a lot of people, especially sports fans, sat back. And when it was canceled due to COVID said, oh boy, this is pretty serious. They're, they're canceling March Madness, maybe the most popular um, postseason event of any sport at all. So uh, it'll be great if we can get to that point. It's you know a couple months away, but we can get to that point. It's going to be great. Uh, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll talk about the NBA. We are strong. We are resilient. And we will get through this together. But these are stressful times, and it's important to also practice good self-care. It's normal to feel overwhelmed, anxious, or afraid. But there is hope. Reach out to someone. Connect with your friends. Stay in touch with your community. And know that you are not alone. Learn more at wearebroadcasters.com slash hope. Furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. All right, we're back at it, oh, and um, what'd you see this week as far as the NBA goes? What'd you watch? Yeah, um, I watched the Knicks on Sunday night. 
Um, actually, no, I, sorry, I watched them on Monday, Martin Luther King Day. They got a win um, against the Orlando Magic, and then they had a few days off. They're going on a road trip out west. Um, other than that, I, ha- I haven't really watched a lot of NBA games. I watched the Knicks again uh, last night. They played at Golden State, had a really, really big win um, against the Warriors. Um, and then I watched the uh, Cavs-Nets game the other night on Wednesday. That will be a rematch tonight, but I saw the big three in Brooklyn. So besides the Knicks, watching a little bit of the Nets. Yeah, the NBA has been uh, heating up, um, been observing, you know, the week unfolding with the Nets and James Harden and, and all of that and watched them play the Bucks the other night and they beat the Bucks. I was surprised because I don't think the Bucks are clicking as well as they could be right now. The Nets don't play good defense, but because the Bucks didn't really play well offensively, uh, and that was a matchup. The reason why that matchup was notable was because, oh, and that could be that could be the Eastern Conference Finals for sure. Yeah, and should. yeah, and uh, so the Nets came out on top in that one. It just looks like the Bucks aren't clicking right now. Giannis is a little bit inconsistent. He needs to get better. Uh, they have some good pieces. They have some very good pieces. Eric Bledsoe um, is pretty decent. Yeah, um, I think they have Pat Connaughton, who used to pitch at Notre Dame. He's a pretty good shooter, but they, they'll, they'll start clicking. They just—they're usually pretty good on defense. They're struggling right now a little bit. Yeah, and you know the thing is, when you watch them, I, they just look a little bit out of sync. I mean, uh, I, I Brooks Lopez shooting threes is one of the ugliest things I've seen. He makes them, you know. <laughs> Sometimes too, but it's one of really one of the ugliest things. He and his brother have had a good career. They really have had a good career in the NBA coming out of Stanford together. They've been in the league probably 10 years now. So they have really, um, you know, shown some longevity and give him credit. I mean, he stays in shape and he, and he plays, but I, it, it's hard for me to watch him shoot threes. The other guy in the Bucks that I can't believe, he must know somebody, uh, you know, to get the amount of playing time he does. But Dante DiVincenzo is a guy who, he's a hustler. He gets after a little bit on defense, but boy, does he miss some big shots when they need him. And and I'm not sure why he's on the floor as much as he is, but, um, you know, they they have the potential to be good. And I think in the long run, if they can gel a little bit, they're going to beat the Nets in the Eastern Conference um, finals or or the Nets might get knocked off before then. But Drew Holiday is a good guard, plays both sides of the ball really well. Giannis is tough defensively as much as he is offensively. And if they get uh, Middleton going, they'll be they'll be they'll be the team to beat in the East. I feel. Yeah, However, I, I agree with that. I, I think they're going to be better than the Nets. Yeah especially defensively when it comes down to it. And we know that in the playoffs, what what really determines things is defense. Uh, there's a lot of guys who can score in the league, i.e. Kyrie, Harden, Durant. But uh, it, what it comes down to is defense, and the Nets do not play defense. Harden is not suddenly going to become some great defensive player. Guys, I could go by Kyrie Irving. He does not play good defense either. And when it comes down to it, if the Bucks can get a little bit of offense going and gel a little bit, they'll play good enough defense, and they'll be able to get through the Eastern Conference. 
I feel. What was interesting last night is I watched the Lakers, and the Lakers are the Lakers. The Lakers played the Bucks again, what could have potentially been a NBA Finals preview. The Bucks played pretty well for a lot of that game. They were in the lead for some of that game as well, but the Lakers just just came out on top, and they have too many weapons. And unless they sustain some injuries or something really uh, weird happens, the Lakers, I feel, are going to repeat for sure. Yeah, I could, I can see that. You know, there's a couple really good teams. Like we just said, we're going to see how the Nets pan out, but the Lakers are definitely the team to beat in the West. Um, just for tonight, we have 11 NBA games on slate, a couple rematches, Celtics at 76ers. This is the number one um, versus the number two team in the Eastern Conference. Rematch from this past Wednesday where the 76ers won 117 to 109. Celtics are the number one in the East, 76ers number two in the East. Um, and then another matchup we just talked about was the Nets at Cavaliers. Brooklyn is nine and seven. Cleveland seven and seven. Cleveland is led by the Middletown, Connecticut native Andre Drummond, who is one of the best bigs in the league. Cleveland beat the Nets with their debut of uh, the big three in double overtime on Wednesday, one forty-seven to one thirty-five. Harden, Irving, and KD combined for ninety-six points, but Colin Sexton was right there with forty-two. Cleveland won that one. Some New York talk here, and the New York Knicks are 8-8 eight and eight in, in sixth place in the East. For the viewers out there that don't really know, um, usually eight teams make the playoffs for each conference in the NBA. This year, there's going to be 10 each side, including a pl- uh, which includes a play-in game. So if you're the 10th seed, you get into the play-in game. The Knicks are currently sixth place in the East. You know They're playing 500 ball. Really, really big win last night. I watched every second against the Golden State Warriors. The Knicks won 119-104, and they really exploded with a 40-point first quarter. Uh, R.J. Barrett had 28 points, and the big thing for the Knicks right now is they have the number one defense in the NFL. I mean, sorry, <laughs> NBA, and I think that's led by co- uh, head coach Tom Thibodeau. Yeah, the Knicks, uh, fun fun to watch young teams that are well-coached and guys who know how to handle those teams. Um, and they're, they're a team to watch for sure. I think they're going to have their growing pains. But to go on the road and beat the Warriors after the Warriors won two really great games is pretty significant. So they just have to keep closing that gap of consistency and they'll be okay. But the NBA, plenty to watch between TNT and uh, the NBA Network and ESPN. There's plenty of NBA. There's never really a lack of NBA. So, if And there's always a star or two to watch on every team. So if you're looking for something to watch, NBA is something to, you didn't to know, get into. Did you know that every technical foul you get is $2,000? You have to owe $2,000. I didn't know that. Because uh, – I forget who uh, I texted you last night. What's his name? Got ejected for the Warriors. Michigan State guy. Um, can't think of his name. Um, uh, Draymond Green. Yeah, Draymond Green. Drawing a blank. Draymond Green got a technical in the first quarter. $2,000. That was his fourth technical of the year, which is $8,000 he owes. And then he got a second one in, this, in the third quarter ejected from the game. So that was a big, that was a big reason that they lost. And they have a couple of good guys, you know, they have Kelly Oubre, you know, obviously Steph Curry, uh, James Wiseman, but yep. Got Draymond Green got ejected and that's going to be $10,000 that he now will owe. Yeah. He's always had trouble keeping his cool, which is, always. which is a shame because I forget the number, but if you get to a certain amount of technicals, you have, you're suspended for one or two games because a couple of years ago in the playoffs, he was very close to that number. 
And had he been received another technical, he would have been lost for a game or two in the playoffs, which would have really hurt the the Warriors. But yeah, he's um, always been like that. He's always been had some trouble yeah. controlling his temper. Well, it's like many players and many people, right? The aggression and the enthusiasm and the effort uh, are his strong points, but they can all they can always they can also be his weak points as Achilles' heel. So. Um, Interesting information about the technical fouls. So NBA heating up, good to watch. College basketball, good to watch. We'll be back right after this. And when we come back, we're going to talk NFL Conference Championship Sunday. If you think or know you had COVID-19, you can be around others after 10 days since symptoms first appeared and after 24 hours with no fever without fever-reducing medication and after other symptoms have improved. If you have tested positive for COVID-19 and you had no symptoms, you can be around others 10 days after you got tested for COVID-19. To learn more, visit cdc.gov slash coronavirus. weekend i think i was listening to um sports talk radio uh this morning and there's four really good quarterbacks they're talking about what would be the best matchup in the super bowl from a television standpoint and a viewing standpoint and really i believe any of them would be i mean kansas city and green bay would be awesome because there's two great great quarterbacks they're there are two guys, uh, two teams, two blue blood teams who played in the Super Bowl way back. So that would be really interesting. But really, whether you get Mahomes, whether you get um, Brady, you, you know, Josh Allen, Rodgers, doesn't matter. Any of those guys, any of those two guys in the Super Bowl is going to be going to be fantastic. What do you think, oh? Yeah, you can mix and match any of these two, any of these four teams. You know, they all play pretty good defense. Their offenses are all powerful. Um, you know, they can run the ball for the most part. All these teams, and they have some weapons on the outside. So um, it's going to be a big one. Sunday, January twenty fourth, like you said, Championship Sunday, and a ticket to Super Bowl fifty five. We'll start it off with the Buccaneers at the Packers, three oh five on Fox. Green Bay's laying three and a half. Packers, Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, the keys for the Packers to win this game, you know, some game notes from last game. He threw for uh, two touchdowns and 300 yards. He also ran for a touchdown. You know, a lot of quarterbacks now in this league are um, trending towards being a run first quarterback. Uh, Rodgers can definitely still run. 
Aaron Jones rushed for 100 yards last week against a really good Rams defensive line. And the Packers have a lot of good uh, weapons on the receiving side. Um, Lazard, uh, Marcus Valdez-Scantling, Adams, uh, they all had eight or more targets. And then Robert Tunyon. So they have a lot of weapons. I think they have the, I think they have the most weapons out of um, any team that's in the playoff right now. But that's, in, that's from the Packers side. What do you think about that? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be big for Aaron Rodgers. And the reason is because he's got a really great resume, but this is maybe his best season that he's had. And I think the pressure's on him. He needs to beat the Bucks to get to the Super Bowl and win, you know, win another Super Bowl. So I think it's going to be a reflection on his career. He'll still end up having a good career if they were to get beat, but I think this is it will tarnish it a little bit. He needs to get by the Buccaneers here. And let's not forget, week six, week six, I think it was thirty eight to three, the Bucks won, right? I think it was thirty eight to three, the Bucks won. And here's something of note. Cornerback for the Packers, Jair Alexander. He covered Mike Evans on nineteen of twenty eight coverage snaps. And Evans did not have one catch, and he had one target. So that's something to watch for, uh, you know, this week. I think Evans might have been a little bit banged up, was playing a little bit banged up, but we'll see. And we, with regard to the win that the Bucks had in Week 6, and ironically, by the way, the Chiefs and the Bills played in Week 6 too. That's funny. But that's te- funny. Yeah, but teams so, – so the Bucks rolled over the Packers – in that game. And just a little tidbit teams to defeat a team by 20 plus points in the regular season, and then face them in the conference championship are 13 and three in rematches and four and oh over the last 10 seasons. So take that for what it's worth. Um, but it'd be interesting. Um, the most prognosticators have the Packers winning and in, and in game simulations, um, you know, all those analytics, the Packers are winning 60% of the time in those, but it'll be, it'll be, you know, what's going to be key here is that the Bucks offensive line needs to continue to, in my opinion, they need to protect, continue to protect Brady. And they have a little bit of a, I forget this situation, but they have a little bit of an injury and a replacement at tackle and, that could pose a little bit of a problem. The Bucks, you know, they're facing the Packers. They're not facing the Saints. The Saints are a little bit inconsistent. The 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 Bucks are facing Aaron Rodgers. They're not facing Drew Brees. Drew Brees was borderline terrible and, you know, probably playing very very hurt. So, uh it'll be interesting like you said, the spread three and a half Packers are given three and a half. I would, I I'm taking the Packers in this one. I, I think that the Packers will get to Brady, whichever team is able to sustain a pass rush, I think will put a lot of pressure on the other quarterback. I think Rogers is much more suited to handle a pass rush. He's much more mobile than is Brady. So I think one of the keys you're looking for in this game is the pass rush. If you see early the Packers getting pressure on Brady, I think the Packers are are going in the right direction, going to win the game. 
Yeah, the Buccaneers, um, just going off the game last week against the Saints. Tom Brady didn't really play that well. He he threw for two touchdowns and 200 yards, had a lot of uh, checkdowns downfield. Leonard Fournette carried the ball 17 times for only 63 yards, but, you know, not really much production from the Bucs receivers here. Godwin, Brown, Evans. Uh, Evans only had one catch for three yards and a touchdown. I know he's the most, uh, he's the best red zone target in the league, but one catch for three yards and their highest receive, uh, most receiving yards was Cameron Brait, their backup tight end with 50 yards. So they clearly won this game defensively with four takeaways. I think it, it's going to be a same situation, uh, this week against the Packers, their defense is going to win them that game, but you know, Brady and Rogers are going to sling it. Um, and I think the keys to this game. Um, is the Buccaneers' rush defense versus the Packers' running game. The Packers have a really good offensive line and a really good running back in Aaron Jones, and the Bucs have a really good rush defense. You know, Packers run the ball to open up the playbook, uh, and they'll throw. They'll, they're going to win the game. You know, they have three or four um, solid receivers and a good tight end. And on the other side with the Buccaneers, Brady's going to have to make throws. If the Like he said, if the Packers' rush defense get to Brady, it's going to be big-time trouble for them. He's going to have a lot of checkdowns, you know, a lot of dink and dunk plays going up and down the field. You know, for those betting this game, shout-out T-Money. I would take the over in points currently at 51. You know, both quarterbacks are Hall of Famers. They can sling it, and their running game on both sides uh, is very effective. Um, you know, the over is 51, like I just said. I'm going 35-21. Go Pack, go. Yeah, and fans in in Green Bay, by the way, um, which is it's so nice to see fans in the stands, even though it's probably not super safe. You look, and they're they're all not really distancing, but you know whatever. But let's also not forget you you, you touched on it a little bit. The Bucks got three turnovers from an ailing and borderline retiring Drew Brees last week, and uh, their tight end fumbled also Cook, I think. So. You know, the Bucks were were given, and give them credit, they capitalized on those turnovers. But I don't think you're going to see Aaron Rodgers turn it over like that. And again, if they get some kind of a pass rush, I'll be I'll be pretty surprised if the Bucks can win this game on the road in Green Bay. So you know, I'm taking the Packers too. Um, go Pack Go. Shout out, RJ. That's right. You know, I think that, you know, Brady, you know, I, I, Tamp, the world Super Bowl is in, Tampa Bay, you know, I, I think they have a lot of really good weapons, but, you know, I think this is the Packers year. Aaron Rodgers is going to be the MVP, and I think, uh, like you said, Packers win this one. Next one we got so, is, uh, yeah. you know, Sunday night, the night game, 640 CBS, Bills at Kansas City. So Kansas City, again, given given three points to the Bills here. Mahomes, Josh Allen, Mahomes, you know, most likely going to play in this one. Um, this is going to be... Um, an intriguing matchup because Kansas City has a really good defense. I mean, uh, offense. Their defense is okay. Um, Buffalo won last week's game with their defense. So, you know, Buffalo's defense is fiery, holding Baltimore to three points last week. But Kansas City also has a sneaky good defense with with, with the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew, eleventh um, best defense in the NFL. I definitely think this is going to be a high-scoring game. You got to win with a shootout against the Chiefs. You know, I think Josh Allen he's got to play the game of his life to win this one. Yeah, Bills have won eight straight. Uh, arguably the hottest team in the NFL. They ran into the Ravens last week, who were at that time arguably arguably one of the hottest teams in the NFL. Um, what was the score? Kansas City beat them last time, right? Thirty twenty-five, something like that. Uh, uh, the Bills. Yeah, I think they beat the Bills in Week Six, thirty to twenty-five. 
I'm looking that one up right now. But the Bills have won eight straight, tied for the second longest streak in, in franchise history, matter of fact. And each, each of the Chiefs' last eight wins have been by six points or fewer. So they're, they're playing with fire a little bit. The thing here is the games in Kansas City, Mahomes finds a way to win. I don't think the Bills' defense is gr- – I think it's good, but I don't think the Bills' defense is great. Um, and I think that may be the difference. And let's keep a close eye to how healthy Mahomes is. Hopefully, um, for all the viewing public, we see him at his best. It would be a shame if he wasn't. But uh, I also think that if Chad Henney has to come in, I think he, based on what he did last week – He'll do a fine job, and Andy Reid will put him in a good position to make plays and do well. Um, but I like Kansas City in this one, but much closer than the NFC game, I think. I think this is anybody's ball game, but I think Kansas City finds a way. Yeah, Kansas City won against Buffalo in Week 6, 26-17. Um, Buffalo really was with everyone. They were out Dawson Knox, their tight end, but he's not really a big factor. But I think this one, you know, on Sunday at 640 on CBS, I think Buffalo needs production from their running backs, which they haven't gotten all year. Zach Moss, Devin Singletary, they, they haven't really got any production from them. And I think you've got to ground and pound with your good defense to win ballgames. You know, I think Stephon Diggs is really their only offensive weapon. You know, Josh Allen thrown to him, their best friends, um, first year together. Cole Beasley will be in the mix a little bit, but it's really Stephon Diggs um, and nobody else. So um, when you talk about Kansas City, they really have too much to handle offensively. I'd be really impressed if Buffalo can contain them. Um, smashing the over in this one, 53 and a half. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Sammy Watkins, um, and you got the coach Andy Reid. So I think Kansas City is going to win this one. I like Kansas City, uh, 33-21. I like the Chiefs too, and I agree. Take the over in this one. There's no question in my mind that uh, there's going to be some some scoring in this game. Should be an interesting Sunday night game. And Stefan Diggs, Stefan Diggs, he's got an interesting stat here. He has had six receptions in 15 straight games. So clearly Josh Allen is looking for him. Clearly defenses know this but still can't stop it. And think about that for a minute. Even the best receivers in the league, they'll go games where they have no receptions, one reception, two reception, three or four targets. For whatever reason, the quarterback's taking what he's getting. And even the best receivers in the league have games where they only have a couple receptions. So he's got six receptions in 15 straight games. I mean, the guy can play. The guy can play for sure. So... That's another thing to watch closely if if the Chiefs can somehow clamp him down a little bit, which no one has been able to do yet. But if they can, if you see that early, if you see a first half where Diggs has like three targets and one reception, that's not going to bode well for the Bills at all. They're going to need to continue to go to him, and Kansas City defensively is going to need to stop him. Kansas City's a funny team. You know, you watch them, and sometimes they – bend, 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 but don't quite break. They give up a lot of yardage at times. And then when they really need to, they step up defensively and they have some really good defensive players like one, one like you noted before, the Honey Badger, Tyron Matthew. So I like the Chiefs in this one as well. I think you're going to see a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl on February 7th. And 
It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It'll be probably one of the more viewed Super Bowls ever, I would venture to guess. Yeah, you know, I agree with that one. You know, that's what I would hope to see, but it's going to be really interesting this uh, this Sunday. Coming back, we're going to have a little bit of MLB and then an update on the Saco Bay Sharks, America's favorite and most lovable virtual baseball team. Be with you in a minute. closer to spring training interesting news this week the Mets fired their general manager after one month on the job Jared Porter um yeah they acted pretty quickly Owen when the word came out about him texting a female reporter many many texts and sending inappropriate pictures to her when the word came out they didn't waste any time their owner who Mets fans have grown to love in a short amount of time showed, you know, put his, put his money where his mouth is, so to speak, and said, you know, that we said we're going to have be a team of integrity and a, and an organization of integrity. And we're not going to, we're not doing this. And the very next morning after the news came out, uh, Jared Porter, general manager of the Mets was fired. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, from the Mets perspective here, you know, I think they acted quickly. They obviously did the right thing. Steve Cohen, you know, did what the fans wanted, but, you know, from a managerial, you know, Sandy Alderson owner's owner perspective with Steve Cohen, you know, it was a good hire. People thought, you know, Porter has a really good baseball background, comes from Theo Epstein and the Cubs who have a really rich history in baseball. You know, he's been with the Diamondbacks and a lot of people around the league thought this was a great hire. Porter acted quickly. You know, he went after Lindor, got Lindor. And then something like this is really unfortunate for the Mets fan base, but just something that can't happen with Jared Porter. And I think, you know, it's just really unfortunate, like I just said, um, to be a Mets fan because this thing can, this stuff can happen to anyone. And, you know, we're trying to eliminate this stuff in baseball. Um, you know, and I'm really glad to see over the last couple of years, you know, a lot of more females in baseball. I know the Red Sox just hired one um, for their single A team, I guess. You know, Jessica Mendoza, all these people, you know, coming into the baseball world. This is just something that you can't have happen. Now, especially with what's going on nowadays, you know, my feeling on this is the the problem here, and nobody's really talking about this too much, is he it never came out and he never paid the price for it. Had it come out at some point in the last, what was it, four years, four and a half years, and he paid some kind of a price for it and 
was able to rehabilitate himself and prove himself, it, it might be a little bit different because people deserve second chances, but he never suffered any consequences from this to begin with. And it's just, it's just can't be tolerated. Something like that is just absolutely completely inexcusable. And it's unfortunate because he looked like a promising young GM in the mold of Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, but that'll be, that's fine. The, the Mets handled it well. The Mets, um, you know, maybe, looked a little bit bad in this situation, but the way they swiftly reacted and handled it, I think people forget about it pretty quickly. And Sandy Alderson is more than capable, the president of the Mets, he's more than capable of handling, um, you know, all the free agent stuff and all the trades and everything, moving the GM duties, so to speak, uh, moving forward. So they'll be fine as a Mets fan. Doesn't bother me too much. Unfortunate, but um, not that big a deal. We'll move on. Uh, Springer signs with the Blue Jays. That was uh, the big one this week. Blue Jays are going to be good. I mean, um, you know, they added him to their young core, and they're going to be pretty good. Oh, yeah. You know, they, yeah, like you just said, they have a lot of good young core guys. Springer's going to jump right into the top of their lineup and play center field, but he can also be a mentor to the younger guys like Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, uh, Kevin Biggio. So, you know, they have a lot of good weapons. Um, their pitching staff is getting there. They have a really good bullpen. So, you know, with Blake Snell leaving the Rays, I think the Blue Jays are the second best team in the AL East with the addition of Springer. And, uh, you know, I think it was funny. Michael Brantley uh, was supposed to go to the Blue Jays with Springer, but uh, at the last second, he signed back with the Houston Astros on a two-year deal pending a physical. So that was really uh, in- interesting. I saw on Twitter he was going to the Blue Jays with Springer. Now he's back in Houston. Um, Brantley, a veteran bat that the Yankees were also looking at. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny how some of these things work out. I mean, I think for a while people thought you know Springer going to the Mets was going to be close to a lock and and that didn't happen but you can't blame him you can't blame him for going where he's going to be most comfortable and maybe he thinks they have a better chance to win than the Mets do uh, but we'll we'll have to see how that unfolds Yankees uh sign LeMayu which is good um for them right yeah, you know, that's good for them. They needed him back. Um, you know, he's a heart and soul of their organization, hits in the leadoff spot, hits for a high average, gets things going. Without DJ LeMahieu, um, you know, they wouldn't make a run in the playoffs. He's a guy that they need to have, you know, good locker room guy, pretty good defensively, you know, swings the bat well, just keeps swinging. Um, definitely, definitely needed to sign him back. But just touching on this Springer deal again, you know, a lot of Mets fans are, you know, upset, you know, mad he didn't go to the Mets. I think this, you know, everything happens for a reason. I think this opens up an opportunity to extend Michael Conforto uh, this year or early next year. I think Conforto, you know, he's three years younger than Springer. Um, You know, he's a really good player, hit over 300 this year. Uh, Really, really good player on the Mets, hit in the middle of their lineup. He's a guy that they need to extend. Um, He's already a corner outfielder, which George Springer is going to move to be a corner outfielder in the next couple years. And a lot of the things about Springer, you know, you could say the Astros cheated and everything. Springer is a really good postseason player. But you look at Michael Conforto, he hit two home runs as a rookie in a World Series. So I think the clutch factor is there for both of them. I know Conforto has a few walk-off hits already uh, in his young career, but I think this is a really good opportunity for Steve Cohen uh, to extend Michael Conforto, the guy that they need on the Mets. 
Yeah, I think Conforto's kind of a little, could be face of the franchise for the Mets. And back to the Blue Jays for a second. Let's not forget yesterday they signed Kirby Yates, which is big acquisition as well. So uh, baseball heating up, Yankees, uh, you know, thankfully for Yankees fans, they signed LeMayu because if they didn't, I think Yankee fans would have been, uh, you know, getting ready to jump off the Brooklyn Bridge because of the taking the backseat to the Mets in the offseason. But I don't think the Mets are done. Um, San Diego Padres are going to be really solid moving forward, you know, acquiring you Darvish. Um, so it'll be, uh, fun to watch as the season unfolds here. And there'll be a lot of one-year contracts. There, there already have been a lot of one-year contracts signed. And the one big guy out there that I'm kind of hoping nobody signs him now because I'm tired of the social media stuff with him is Trevor Bauer. I mean, he's he's a pretty solid pitcher, but it never stops on social media with he and his agent and, um, you know, just trying to trying to market himself as much as possible. I'm not sure why he doesn't necessarily need to do that. He won the Cy Young last year, so somebody will probably sign him. But I'm not sure there's going to be teams now scared away a little bit with with all the baggage. And I don't mean baggage like he's a problem off the field or doesn't behave himself. I mean baggage with the social media, with the vlog, with all these businesses he runs, which is with his facility that he runs, with his agent who, you know, is 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 off the charts and social media as well. So be interesting to see where he ends up, but I kind of hope it takes a while and and nobody signs him. Yeah. You know, he's an interesting guy. I never really thought he was, he was that good. I mean, he had one good year this year. He's got a career 3.9 ERA. So don't be jumping out of your seats for Trevor Bauer because he's not even a top five pitcher. Um, you know, he had a good year this year. Yeah. He was the best pitcher in the league this year, but I think there are five, six, seven, eight guys that are better than him over his career. Um, you know, he will sign somewhere for sure because he won the Cy Young. He had a 1.73 ERA this year, but he's a career 3.9 guy, and he was the number two or three, you know, um, on the Indians when they went to the World Series. So um, he'll go somewhere. I'll take him on the Mets and be our number two. Um, but he'll definitely find his place, and I do think a lot comes – It's not you're not just getting Trevor Bauer, like you said. You're getting the vlog. You're getting the Twitter. You're getting his businesses that are coming along with him. You know, that, that could be a bad thing. That could be a good thing. But you know what? He's doing his thing, and hopefully he signs somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, be fun to find out what happens there. So now moving on to virtual baseball and America's most lovable and, and actually favorite virtual baseball team, the Saco Bay Sharks. We had a little scrimmage the other night against you because you hadn't played in a while. So you wanted to get back on the sticks, get some muscle memory, that kind of thing. And you actually beat me in, in a good game. Yeah, you know, I was, I was surprised. Um, I actually saw the ball pretty well. Um, I thought I was going to be late on a lot of fastballs, which I was. You had a couple good relief pitchers that you brought in throwing uh, three digits there that were blowing my windows off. But, um, you know, I stayed with in the in the first few innings. I saw a lot of pitches, and my guys, uh, you know, got adjusted into the game. And, you know, we talked pregame. We wanted to see some pitches here, maybe take till we had one or two strikes just to see how things are going in a scrimmage. You know, wanted to get um, a lot of guys in there, everyone play, and uh, ended up coming out on top. We actually hit a few home runs, I think. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun to play those games because you, there's a little bit less at stake and it doesn't doesn't affect your overall record. I proceeded after that to win another game and keep the streak going. I think I posted on Twitter a Lou Brock home run in the first inning was an absolute bomb. I mean, it was hard to see the complete video on that because the guy quit as the ball was in the air. So the message that he quit 
um, if you watch the video on Twitter at Frozen Rope Eight, came came on as the ball was leaving the park, but it almost went out of the stadium. I mean, Lou Brock is not a, a huge home run hitter in that game, but that was. I mean, I, I crushed that ball. I mean, I, I hit that ball about as hard as I I've hit a ball since I've been playing MLB The Show Twenty. And for people who don't know. Uh, PlayStation 4, MLB The Show 20, Saco Bay Sharks is my team. And uh, after winning eight in a row, we ended up dropping two uh, a couple days ago and then won two in a row again. Last night, I posted on Twitter, Frozen Rope 8, at Frozen Rope 8, uh, Corey Kluber, quick clip pitched a complete game for me, which I really needed. It was great. Took some heat off of my bullpen, got some timely hitting first game in a while. I didn't hit any home runs, but again, Sago Bay sharks are, you know, now 25 games, 24 games, sorry, under 500. A couple of weeks ago, fans of the go six radio, go six sports radio podcast might know that, um, I was 30 games under 500. I'm now only 24 games under 500 competing pretty well. I had my highest ranking in quite a while recently. So moving along, it's an interesting game because like you and I have mentioned before, the hitting is pretty realistic. So, you know, if you get yourself in hitters counts, you tend to get some better pitches and, and make some good contact and barrel some balls, but you really got to stay off pitches. And you said you were seeing the ball. Well, I'm seeing the ball very well lately. Um, started playing on a monitor versus a regular television about um, maybe 75 games ago. And the record shows it. And the thing about the monitor O versus the TV is that the reaction time um the reaction time on a monitor is like, it's not, I'm, I'm calling it reaction time, but it's something else is one millisecond versus like eight or nine or more 20 milliseconds on a regular TV. So baseball, even more than other video games, especially when you're trying to hit a guy who's throwing one Oh two, it's important to play that on a monitor if you can. Yeah. You know, a lot of, a lot of big time gamers, a lot of guys that stream use monitors and it really enhances your play. Like you've seen, um, you know, you're telling the viewers firsthand, um, but I've heard a lot of good things about it. And now I finally know that playing in a monitor, you know, I don't have one, but I know you do. Um, you know, it really, really, uh, helps you see the ball better, you know, better, uh, quick reflexes. Um, you know, it brings up your game for sure. Yeah. And matter of fact, I just thought of it now. It's called response time, not reaction time, response time. So when somebody's looking for a monitor out there, you want to look for um, like a one or two second response time versus a TV that can be upwards of 20 milliseconds response time. Makes a big difference seeing the baseball, but uh, had a couple of additions to my team. I picked up Freddie Freeman over the last couple of weeks. Great clutch hitter in MLB The Show. Great defender. Picked up Jacob Stallings for backup catcher to uh, Yasmani Grandel. And uh, he is also a very good player. Has a nice swing. It's funny because in in MLB The Show 20, um, certain guys have swings that you're just comfortable with. Certain guys have attributes that are off the charts. 125 is the number that is the highest ranking of an attribute, so to speak. So if a guy's 125 power against righties, that means he's got a, he's a good power hitter against right-handed hitters. Um, but many guys have good attributes, great attributes, 
very high attributes in contact against both side pitchers, power against both side pitchers, clutch hitting, those kinds of attributes. But for example, I had Jimmy Fox not long ago, maybe the best attributes in the game, but I just couldn't hit with him. I I just didn't like his swing. I couldn't hit with him. Whereas I seem to hit very well with Rod Carew, Lou Brock, um, uh, Freddie Freeman. Now a couple of these guys have some really good swings. So, um, Saco Bay sharks continue to roll pretty well, well over 500 in my last 50 now. And, uh, you can find those clips occasionally on Twitter at frozen rope eight. And, um, you can, uh, comment or, or, uh, see how the Saco Bay sharks are doing. Yeah. That's right, Saco Bay Sharks, America's fa- uh, favorite virtual uh, baseball team. So, um, I might be giving updates next week on on the on the Stan Vegas Pie reviews, um, but trying to get back in it, and hopefully we'll play a few more exhibitions. Yeah, absolutely. So, listen, that's going to do it this week for the Go Six Sports Radio podcast, only heard on the Go Six Programming Network (GSPN). You can find us on any podcast platform: Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Tell your friends about it. We're trying to grow our subscription, so smash the subscription button, give a review, and we will see you next week. Oh, have a great week. We'll talk to you soon. Yeah, sounds good. Talk to you later.